Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Liz. We are business owners turned podcasters. This show gives you the permission and tools to create your courageous second act. We call this the Afterglow. Welcome to the Afterglow. Today we are speaking with Candace Factor. Candace is the former general manager for Wattpad, one of the world's largest storytelling platforms with over 50 million users, and current associate at Deep Tech Incubator Creative Destruction Lab. Candace knows all too well how difficult it can be for entrepreneurs to succeed. Those challenges inspired her to create Factory Ventures, which invests in local businesses ready to expand onto the global stage and grow their business. Over the years, her inspirational work includes co-creating Torstar Digital, a disruptive digital venture arm of Torstar, and advisory role with SickKids Tech advisory team. During COVID, she created the Game Changers sessions, bringing expert voices across a number of industries in response to coronavirus to help people get through this time and address the complexities we face in this world. She is a founding partner of Elevate Tech, a nonprofit created to unite the world's innovators to solve society's greatest challenges. She has been quoted as saying, you need to be optimistic about the future or you can't create the future you want. If you want to actually make a difference, you have to get curious about the things that are going to be the future. And that's certainly what I did. Welcome, Candice. We are so honored to have you on our show today. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Candice, we are so excited to speak with you. You have accomplished so much, you've done so much, and we really want to get at the themes of technology, disruption, mindset, thriving complexity, women in tech, diversity in tech. We'll have to see how much we have time for, but we want to start right at the very beginning. You're an immigrant to Canada. You were born in South Africa. Can you tell us a bit about this part of your life and how those early experiences shaped you? Absolutely. It's funny, you know, Anytime somebody asks me to tell my narrative, I always start there because it was such a um, impactful time, you know, such an impactful experience. Um, So I'm originally from South Africa and I moved here in 92, right at the end of apartheid. And, um, you know, I was 14 years old, which is which is a very impressionable uh, moment in your life. And it really was, you know, a 180 degree change. I mean, I grew up um, obviously in a very complex society, uh, but my parents were entrepreneurs, very successful there, and they had to leave everything behind. Uh, we packed up in like eight weeks and we came here with absolutely very little, uh, you know, and didn't know very many people. And we, we started again. And that, that experience really shaped me. Um, There was a lot of love in my family and there was a lot of resilience building uh, in sort of having to restart. And I'm weirdly forever grateful for that being, you know, such a transformative time uh, for me. So you are known as a thought leader, a big thinker. Um, Do you think that this time of your life when you were growing up, the early years, is a part of what helped you shape your inner voice that you were able to listen to yourself um, listen to your inner voice, trust yourself? Yes and no. I, I would say um, it definitely shaped me and it shaped uh, my determination, I would say, for the for the most part. You know, I, I'd come from a, a fairly privileged background and I realized that, you know, we didn't, we had kind of restarted and it gave me a lot of 
um, ambition and drive and resilience to really go out and, and make something of myself, you know? And I, I always joke, I said, you know, a lot of kids like going to university had this existential crisis of like who they should be and what they should do in their lives. And I didn't, it was very simple for me. It was like, you know, I, I want to do something that was impactful, but um, I had $60,000 of debt when I left Western and a very privileged school. And so I was like, I just want to get the top job and investment banking seemed just not my thing. And strategy consulting was like a very prestigious, uh, you know, way to sort of leave school that, you know, it was a hard field to get into, but I liked the idea that it was, it was diverse and you would learn and and do all these different problems, you know, meet different people and see different industries but it was a pretty simple equation for me, which was like, what's the best way to like learn the most and um, pay back my debt? Uh, so I think for a very long time in my career, I was very achievement oriented. Yet I, you know, I did have a really good sense of um, connecting to an inner an inner voice because of who my mother was. Like my mom was somebody who was really in touch with with herself and Mm -hmm. had deep empathy and was a teacher and really just believed in me. So so there was an emotional awareness that, that she gave me, but it really was only when I kind of, I think it was right after Wattpad when it was the first time in my life, I was like, I'm done sort of achieving for others. Like I'm done sort of on that treadmill doing things um, that look good on paper and that are really amazing things. Like I I don't have any regret for the experience that I've had, but I went through a whole other journey of sort of like finding myself and finding my inner voice. Uh, Once my kids were a little bit older and once I was like extremely burnt out from that like achievement track. I'm, I'm drawn by your early experience and that idea of picking up starting over again, overcoming adversity, developing resiliency, and how that is the exact formula you need to start businesses. (laughs) And it's almost like you got that lesson at such an early age. And then I'm struck by what you just said about, um, you know, turning against um, the outside voices of this is what's important and tuning into yourself. And, you know, one of the um, purposes of our show is to help people break out of the mold that childhood or conditioning or society or whatever, put them in and just say, you know, create your own mold, (laughs) you know, find your own mold. And so do you have any tips or wisdom to share around your experience in doing that? A hundred percent. I, so, you know, it's interesting. I think, um, so there's this idea of like, what got you there won't get you to the next place. Right. And, um, that's very much my story, right? Like, uh, so I left Wattpad. So my, my trajectory was like full on, you know, left business school, strategy consulting, 100 hours a week, you know, went, created a corporate venture arm, went, led a global startup, had two kids along the way. I'm tired even just like, yeah, me too, yeah. that, like seriously. <laughs> And then finally, once I left Wattpad, I just was like, something snapped at me. And I was like, the only thing I know is two things. I'm not going to take a full-time job or like jump into another startup. 
And I'm just, I need space. I need the concept of space. And I just want to get curious about two things. You know, one, like who the heck am I inside and what am I passionate about? And um, there was also a lot of change in technology and the impact it was having on the world. And I was like, I actually just want some space to get curious about what this next wave of exponential technology means. And the biggest piece of advice I can say is like, in a world that is so attention starved, right, it's so easy to keep finding busy, you know, or finding like, uh, things to do or to, to sort of be and and the only way I sort of got to this next level, which is a fundamentally different place than where I was, was by being vulnerable, being totally naked. I remember the moment when I went to a dinner party and somebody asked me like, what do you do? And I was like, um, you know, I don't really know. And it was like, from my personality type, it was just like so vulnerable. And now the idea that I would ever be like owned by one thing or by one company is like the, it's like the opposite feeling. It's like, I, I just have no connection to that idea. Um, so, so it's, it's kind of, you have to lean in to the parts of yourself that are most vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, and where you have the most work to do. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's messy and it's dark sometimes. And it's like super hard. But on the other end is like such beauty and such light and such freedom. <laughs> and it's possible, right? Like what I would say is like, I, you know, I, I, I often tell people this, I had a lot of people used to say, you know, you're, you just, you're this like powerhouse, like you have so much um, capability, like you ask, like, if you have an idea or vision, like Candace knows how to like make that happen. And so I had these like, you know, superpowers or strengths and, and to this like silver lining. But because those skills were so developed, there was this like messy, dark, intertwined underbelly of like mess and complication, you know, and trigger, I guess is the word I would use. And I really gave myself, and you're going to think it's like a long time, like I gave myself like three years of just like doing advisory work, not not like diving all in the way I did, like really reconnecting with self, reconnecting with my kids and like just unpacking, like untangling this like underbelly. And if you do that, you can just show up again in a different way. You know, I just, I just want to, I know Julie has a question. I just want to point out a couple things as a coach, because that's something else I do. And in your story, I see themes that show up for a lot of people. And one is you talked about space, right? That messy middle, that pause. Mm-hmm. You can't just go from who you were to who you want to become. It's not, it's not a, there's a pause there. There's a gap. And there is, as you said, a feeling of being ungrounded and disconnected, right? That experience of you being at the party and someone saying, what do you do? And you're like, I don't know. You don't even know where you stand, who you are. There's That's part of the pause, right? It really is a place of being ungrounded and uncomfortable. And like you said, it's not a one day, one month it, period. It's a long period. It can be mine as well was three, three years. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get to the other side. And like you said, there's liberation, right? So that's, that's the bonus for doing all the work, <laughs> you know? Um, but the work is hard. And um, I'm just, I just want to point that out because I think it's important for people to realize that process to know that it takes time and there's discomfort, but the end is liberating. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the other thing that stuck out for me is um, you mentioned vulnerability. And, you know, I think that in our society, vulnerability, I mean, it's definitely becoming a, a word that we use more frequently now. Thank you, Brene Brown. Um, but um, sometimes it seemed as weak, right? And vulnerability is really a feminine trait, right? Not a female trait, but it's a really, it's a feminine quality. And so, I mean, you are this confident woman, you're working in this industry among a lot of men in particular. And so I'm curious about what the messaging you received of being a girl and being female uh, was when you were growing up. It's a great question. And I think um, the idea of like feminine and masculine qualities, I've, I've really dove into. And um, it's interesting because I, I feel like I'm one of the few people who can play very equally in sort of both a feminine energy and a masculine energy. Um, I'm most powerful in my feminine energy. And, and, I'm, and that took a long time for me to accept and just like acknowledge and just really own. And um, I actually work very much in, in very masculine worlds now, but I don't hide my feminine energy at all. In fact, I lean into what those qualities are. And, uh, but it's a really good point. And so I grew up in South Africa. South Africa is a complex place. And uh, there were very, very defined uh, gender stereotypes in South Africa, especially. Um, you know, so much so I didn't learn how to play chess. I didn't even know what engineering was. And yet, quite frankly, like my mind is designed as like an engineer in many ways. Um, I, you know, it was very gendered. And, and all the while, I, you know, I did have parents who were very entrepreneurial and very flexible and li liber like uh, liberal thinkers, but there was still a gender bias to some degree. Um, for the most part of my career, though, I never um, allowed that to sort of impact me. In fact, you know, I was one of the very few women in like the Ivy business school. And then I was one of the very few women in strategy consulting. And I was one of the very few women in tech. And up until I had kids, I used to think people were like totally uh, just out to lunch on the fact that women and men are different. And like, I, I was just like, that's just not my narrative. I was very uncomfortable with sort of the, the women in tech narrative for the early days. Um, I just wanted to be treated fairly is, is this interesting word. And I didn't think gender had anything to do with it. I will say, I absolutely think there are differences between men and women. And um, it was really only until I raised a seed fund and sort of hit the investing world in a different way um, that I really started to understand some of the dynamic of like uh, bias and in pretty big ways. I mean, very few women get the privilege to write checks. Uh, and we live in a capitalist society. And unfortunately, um, that's what makes the world go around today. And so it was very, very apparent where some of the bias exists. Um, but I, I was probably going on a bit long for, for what your question is. Uh, Continue. But, but I, I'm, I'm curious about if you were treated fairly or not. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. You know, I think it's hard to say. Um, I think in some cases I was treated exceptionally well. 
in other cases, no, I think there was bias, but I also don't present traditional feminine, um, like I, I had to get a very well-developed sense of masculine traits in order to uh, sort of succeed given my circumstances, right? So I think like the immigrant hustle, right? And like, I wasn't the kind of woman who just, uh, I, in fact, I've, I've, I've found my feminine energy in my later years versus when I was younger. And in some ways that's a gift. Um, because I, I really um, did not have some of the issues that I think a lot of younger women have or, or relationships. And, and in a big part to my parents, you know, my dad, you know, had this saying and I, and I still, you know, commend him for it. He's like, I don't care who you are. If you're the CEO or the garbage man, you get treated the same, you know. And if you want something in this world, like go out and get it. Nobody's coming to give it to you. And that was my experience, right? I was like... If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And if you don't ask, like, it's impossible to even, like, you know, receive in that way. I think the, the, the feminine energy for me came in, like, the later years of just slowing down, like, understanding my intuitive self, like, figuring out instead of, like, holding everything up for everybody in the world, I was like, well, who am I and what do I want? And what is, like, wellness and, like, pleasure and joy and and life like look like for me like where am I in that equation and um you know kind of being in my radiance like just being in a place where it's like that may not jive for some people and I don't care you know and yeah I just want to point out for our listeners that we are speaking to a venture capitalist in case they've (laughs) in case they've gotten confused and I just want to say that I love this you know that um you are so dynamic and multidimensional. And I love this idea of um, standing in your fem- feminine energy and bringing that into the workplace, because it seems like for Julie and I that there's been imbalance in our world for a long time. So what you mentioned a few qualities listening to your intuition. Um, what does it mean to bring that feminine energy to the workplace? And is there greater receptivity to that right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends. Workplace is a very broad term, right? Um, and I'll just say a couple things on the venture capital side. So I, I, you know, I do run a seed fund, but I'm actually actively uh, focusing on being an entrepreneur right now um, and building out game changers. So Factory Ventures, which is what you brought up, um, has evolved to Game Changer. And what Game Changer is, is a platform where we invest in companies, we advise companies and we even coach some CEOs um, on how to create in uncertainty and in a complex system. Uh, so it's been like a magnificent for me, just like evolution of sort of building this platform that's really at the core of who I am, which is somebody who loves the future and is kind of very multidimensional around how we can help companies um, and people Uh take advantage and not take advantage, but really um, understand the impact new technology is going to have and build not just the future, but a future we want leveraging these tools. So kind of an interesting um, evolution, but, you know, going back to your question, um, I work actually, you know, right in the thick of very masculine companies. So one of the companies I work with today is a company called Coveo. 
Coveo is an enterprise AI platform. We just raised $200 million in January, a company of 500 people, and I'm their interim CMO, and I'm a board member. So, and, and it's a very engineering-driven, you know, alpha male environment. And I would say the experience for me is just wonderful because I'm allowed to, like, I'm in a different place in my femininity and in my um, leadership where I'm not insecure about bringing these qualities to the table and they're so like needed, um, you know, needed, required, sometimes super welcomed, other times slightly confused, but really um, valuable. And I, and you ask what are the qualities specifically? I would say two things. One, it's this holistic thinking. So, you know, I think there's a lot of black and white thinking um, or just very binary thinking that, you know, is a very um, useful tool, but sometimes is, is really wrong, actually. It's like seeing things on continuums and seeing things holistically and understanding the need to be integrative, I see as a very feminine quality. Um, another one is uh, like deep, deep empathy. And the empathy is, you know, not for just people who are in, you know, a bad place or it's just a deep empathy for what we're trying to do for all these different stakeholders, for our customers, you know, for um, our, our talent, for what's going on in the world and sort of bringing that emotional uh, awareness and empathy to the technology and to our message, you know, is, has been like, truly revolutionary for the for the company and i think that's very feminine and so i you know i i implemented something called um like a virtual mastermind um which is just completely focused on like this idea that people are able to grow right and have this growth mindset and that that they need to be like sponges to learn and to like upskill and iterate and change and um, in a world where there's like a lot of uncertainty, different leaders motivate in different ways. Like some of it's like fear driven, like if we don't do this, then we got to do this. And I think for me, it's like totally the opposite. It's sort of like, uh, how do we sort of like really thrive, right? And, and maybe it's like, actually, I'd say a fourth one, which is like, I know that for myself, like I am it's not like a small difference in percentage of when I'm well and I'm leading versus when I'm like burnt out and I'm leading. It's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's like massive. It's like, if mm -hmm. I have like done a yoga class, done some meditation in the morning, had some time to like clear my mind and I'm like, you know, leading this team and coming to it from that place, I'm like a totally different person than if I'm sleep deprived, hadn't like, you know, dealt with the stress that I'm feeling. And so just this idea of like creating like well environments, like where people thrive versus where people are like burnt out and like for, you know, and, and I'm not saying that Coveo was like that at all before. In fact, it's a really, really good company, but I would say I bring a different level of um, uh, just ensuring that people are well, you know, and ensuring that people are learning um, and that's been like very joyful for me uh, in, in doing that. And without losing the, maybe we call it masculine qualities of like, 
excellence and high performance and achievement and drive. And I just, the idea of duality is like a big theme of mine in Game Changer, which is like things that are seemingly counter to each other or don't fit. There's a lot of and actually versus or, right? And, and the, the duality of these things being important. It seems very- like what you're bringing to Game Changer and the creation of Game Changer is like a totally different model, right? Than what we've seen yeah. and how you're explaining it. And we interviewed Vicki Saunders of SheEO and she talks about how um, instead of just integrating new ideas into the system, we just need to burn the system down and start from the ground up and 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 create an entirely new system. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Do you think that um, for you, this has been sort of um, a part of your own experience of changing your life and how you operate that you're bringing into this new model? I am... Um... I think having boundaries around where the old system doesn't work for you is essential. But for me, there's a pragmatism of recognizing the system, you know, and understanding what parts of it do work. And so it's, it's a little bit different, but I, to be, I love what Vicky's doing. I think it's super, super powerful. Um, but I'm much more of like an and versus the or. Like I think Vicky is like the system is done and now it's like a new. Absolutely. So what Game Changer is, is not a replica of what any other investment firm looks like, any other advisory firm looks like, and any other coaching firm looks like. Game Changer to me is a multidimensional brand and platform that recognizes the overlapping circles of, you know, three and and a new pillar called Game Changer Labs, four things, right? The first is that the future happens by entrepreneurs creating new products and technologies and getting access and exposure to those technologies through Game Changer Ventures, which was formerly Factory Ventures, is fascinating. And you learn the most by doing. The second piece on the advisory side is if you're going to help companies innovate You really need to understand the future, which is why the ventures component is so valuable to the advisory work, right? Like the companies who I advise, they benefit tremendously from the access exposure insights that we have from the ventures. The third pillar, which I know you're a coach, so this is going to resonate with you. This is all about people. This is not businesses are are made up of human beings, And human beings are what we're actually trying to change, you know, are actually trying to develop is a better word than change. And so it's all about the belief systems and the mental models that individuals hold and how they work with each other that allow them to do innovative work and allow them to create ventures. And, you know, the labs piece is really, you can't, I I can't, it would be very hard for me not to create my own companies because I'm so passionate about the process of creation and sort of understanding the future. And so this is like a lifelong vision for me of like a 10 year dream of, of manifesting, you know, this, this platform, not just for me, but for others who are, who believe in these values and in these ideas uh, to be able to do the, the best work of their lives. Right. Um, in, in any of these areas And to your point, this is a very feminine idea that these are overlapping circles versus like just, you know, one, one thing. And for some people they can't handle that. It's like, oh, it's it's too much or it's too, 
for others, they're like, this is the most logical, you know, resonant idea of what the future is because it's, it recognizes the interdependencies. Does that sort of give you a sense of a weird brain? (laughs) No, absolutely. I, um, I love it. I mean, there's so much in what you're saying that I want to speak to. One of the last things you just said about, you know, it's about humans and people development that really excites people like Julie and I, because we own a yoga studio. And I, you know, I truly believe that in our complex world today, we need contemplative tools to help with the human development piece. And I think historically we've had, you know, contemplative, contemplative people relegated to mountaintops. And then we've had human people living their lives And I think that model doesn't work anymore. We need to merge that. We need contemplative living in our modern world. And I think that's part of what gets us out of here. Um, I wanted to ask about Elevate Tech, a nonprofit whose mission is to unite the world's innovators to solve society's greatest challenges. And, you know, that's just so inspiring. So what are the world's greatest challenges in your view and how can tech help? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I so just so you know, Elevate is a festival, um, you know, that happens every year. And I was one of the founding members. I think, um, you know, if I think about Game Changer sessions as well, like for me, my my true passion is about bringing the most innovative experts and sharing their stories. And, you know, that's our new product that we're building called Mastermind, uh, which is going to be launched, uh, you know, later this year, which is super exciting. Um, but I think what's interesting is COVID is this force function for change, right? Where what would have happened in 2030 is happening in 2020, right? And what's, what's showing up as some of the world's biggest problems, we're being forced to address those problems um, today. And some of them are being solved with technology. And some others are being solved by what you said, actually, which is conscious contemplation of our impact on the world. Mm -hmm. So I think what's interesting on the technology front and what I'm really passionate about is technology is a um, enabler, right? It's a a democratizer in in some ways, but it can also be polarizing. But things that people couldn't have experienced before, technology enables and that it, it usually does that in a way that makes it cheaper and more accessible. So a great exper- a great example is even the three of us having this conversation, we wouldn't be able to do this, you know, if you lived really far away, it would cost a lot of money for us to all get together. Um, and so technology does this, you know, what mastermind, what we're going to be building is doing is really allowing any expert in the world, like for you guys, if you want to launch um, a course, like a live learning course where you actually bring a group of people together, the tools kit today is actually quite disjointed, right? It's like, we got to use Zoom and then like you want to keep the conversation going. So you throw it on Slack and maybe you want to um, put notes in. It's like a different tool. So we're just making this like really beautiful platform that allows like the afterglow to have the most magnificent live learning experience um, as an example of a problem we're solving. So the big problems that I think are being solved right now and technology is playing a big role, healthcare. I mean, access to virtual healthcare and to like using technologies like AI, like IoT to, to deliver 
um, medicine, you know, and predictive medicine and treatments is just, uh, it's, it's unbelievable what is happening, right? Like the idea that we're going to go to a doctor's office again for small things, unlikely, so powerful. Um, education is the other one. Like we are seeing a radical shift, like university is expensive. I had $60,000 of debt and I was a lucky person who got the top job of my business school to pay that off. The, the rates of debt for students is crippling in the U.S. And the value coming out at the other end is like very low. So what, you know, Mastermind is really doing is enabling like experts to teach courses that are actually practical and can really help people. And maybe it's $2,000 versus $70,000, you know, for an outdated experience. Um, I think climate change is another super interesting area where technology is playing a huge role in helping us um, rethink our carbon footprint, right? And also, um, you know, use new technologies like solar, like electric, et cetera, to, to fix things. But the one thing I'm super aware of, and this is sort of the adult self, which I used to be very optimistic and maybe didn't realize the, the downside to things. Um, with every new technology and with every you know, new invention or new, new paradigm, you could say, there's going to be like really beautiful things you know, that, that can, can manifest. But there's also going to be unintended consequences, things that are not you know, what we thought they would be, but are impacting us. And so, you know, one of the things I'm very, very focused on, which comes back to your idea of conscious or contemplative thinking, is owning our impact, owning the responsibility of the things we don't intend, but we we still create, right? You look at social media and sort of the impact it's had on democracy and on politics and on perspective, you know, Unfortunately, some of those tech platforms don't own their impact. And I think that's a very, very important part of creating the future we want and giving organizations the tools to think about not just the intended consequences, but the unintended consequences. In mentioning impact, you are motivated by having an impact on this world and what you do. Can you tell us about some of the other um, opportunities you've had to express this? I know you've you have contributions with sick kids and your um, sort of hashtag move the dial. Um, and then we also um, saw get curious now. These are all really positive um, yeah. impacting opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the, the core of game changer ultimately and the work that I want to do in the world is, um, you know, purpose and passion fueled work. And um you know, for me, I, it's not an or, right? Like, I, I don't see the world as like, you're either running a business, or you are, you know, doing good in the world. I, I really see those overlapping circles. And so, you know, the things that I care about in this world are creating a future we ultimately want, right? It's actually really easy to create like future technologies. But it's like, going back to this point of like, is it going to have the impact we want? right? Versus just an impact. And so I think that that manifests in a few ways. One is I, I absolutely believe in giving, just giving, you know, and the idea of generosity and, and a big, you know, passion of mine is Canada, actually, you know, I've had many opportunities to move to the US. 
um, and to sort of work in the tech ecosystem there. And, and while I still like, I'm actually um, going to be a venture partner of a Valley firm to continue the investing stuff uh, that, that's focused on here. I really care about this country. And we live in one of the, the most amazing countries in the world that, you know, I share the same values with, you know, and we take care of people and we give people good education and we give people good health care. And uh, I think COVID has exposed just how different our value set and framework is in Canada versus some other places in the world. So in terms of giving back, like, you know, I think because I'm an immigrant, I just, I try and do as much as I can for um, helping our tech ecosystem on the, on the global stage and ensuring that we have successful startups and a successful tech community here, because it's, a very, very important way for us to be resilient in the future. Um, you know, move the dial. Absolutely. That was my friend's, uh, you know, nonprofit. And I think as I got older, I really did understand that, you know, it is so important that we have more diversity at the table, you know, uh, in terms of the companies we're creating and the capital we're deploying. Um you know, and sick kids and, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about, you know, many different organizations. It's just if I can be helpful um, to creating a world that is like a little bit better, I, I feel I feel like that's part of my you know responsibility. And it's also I have two young kids. Um, I just want to give them the tools to create like impact and have agency, you know, and, and the, the sense of. Um, pride and and um feelings of just contribution you get that that happens when you're doing good things um get curious now is a is a program i created which was um really focused on uh giving people of all ages um mainly kids but literally women uh people who are in the later years of their life um a very simple program, like an eight-week program to go from curiosity to creativity and um, learning all the skills that, you know, I think is very, um, where I've been fortunate to learn many of them in tech, but giving people the framework container and, and tools to take an idea that they have that's from their soul and put it out in the world because there's something very healing about that for people when they do what you guys are doing, for example, like creating the afterglow project, you know, it's, doesn't matter if it makes tons of money or not, like that's not the intent. The intent was, you know, you had this curiosity or you had this passion and some people just need a little bit of help, but not much on going through the process to getting that product out there versus it just being that idea. I love that vision of a world full of people connected to their purpose, right? And what they care about and then taking steps in alignment with that. And Julie and I want, you know, we wanted to focus this podcast on Canadian voices because like you, uh, it is a different story here. And a lot of times we're absorbing U.S. culture, U.S. stories, U.S. heroes, and we have our own heroes here. And, you know, it's a great country. Yes, there's definitely things that need to be improved. Um, but let's all work together and make it make it better. I'm curious about, um, you know, originally th three months ago, we would have just asked about women in tech. Uh, but given the recent movement and also given that I'm a woman of color, 
<laughs> I should have been more focused on this in the past. You know, what can we do to help elevate women in tech? What can we do to elevate diversity in tech? And what can we do to elevate diversity in wealth? You had said, you know, women only write a few, um, they don't write as many checks. So how can we create a world where women are writing more checks, people of color are writing more checks? That's a big question, I know. <laughs> it's a really good question. I think about it a lot. You know, I think um, for all of us, this time period has been one of, you know, deep reflection and um, exposure of how polarized the world actually is today. Um, I think there's two very important things. One, you know, especially when Black Lives Matter started to sort of really, um, you know, become more mainstream and, and, and that movement started to, to become, you know, very mass. I think it did two things, right? One, um, it made me super aware of how little I actually understood about the systemic problems that existed. And, you know, I highly encourage you to, to check out Game Changer sessions and my session specifically with our friend, Jen Holness. We watched uh, that. Where we had an amazing conversation about her experience. Mm -hmm. And it just reinforced for me uh, a theme that I am constantly, you know, realizing is just how little I know, right? Like the humbleness of thinking you know, and then sort of recognizing how wrong I was or how little I knew, you know, or how the unlearning of what I thought when I was younger. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I just didn't know if it was my place to say something, you know, like I'm a white privileged woman, right? Yes, I have a story of adversity, but in a different way. And, and who am I to, you know, talk about this or sort of help, um, help in this regard. And, and a, a dear friend of mine and somebody I really respect, Adam Grant, uh, who's a phenomenal organizational psychologist, uh, he, you know, he, he wrote something that basically said, like, the research shows that, you know, privileged leaders and white leaders are the best way, right, that we can actually create an anti-racist world. And what he meant by that was, my voice is heard. It's easily heard, you know? And when I'm being an ally for somebody else, like this idea of allyship really matters, right? And if I can be an ally, um, I can actually change far more minds and perceptions than if somebody of color is doing the same thing. And that just like really hit me in a big way. So number one is allyship, standing up for what you believe in, recognizing like that systemic racism does exist, what I worry about is the tokenism, you know, but I think, again, I would rather have an awareness and action versus just a complete denial of the fact that there are imbalances in a polarized world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you mentioned unlearning, which is really a big word right now, right? And I think we're all, um, hopefully, we're all actively unlearning a lot of, of how we were raised and the messages that we received. You were quoted in a Fidelity Investments article um, asking what you would say to your younger self. And you shared, take risks and enjoy compound investing. So investments aside, and with all of the information that we have now and your experiences in the world as a woman in business, what would you say to your 15-year-old self? 
Yeah, I love this question. Um, you know, I, I think for me, um, the, the biggest thing I would, you know, really encourage is just not worrying as much as I did about what other people thought of me. I think for me, that was a very um, difficult time in my life where, you know, I was like thrown into a new culture, didn't have friends, you know, was at a very um, cliquey high school and, um, you know, didn't, didn't really own my, my voice and sort of myself in a way that I wish you know, I, I had, but at the same time, um, so, so what I would just say to myself is like, really like, do not care what people think of you. Like the only person you should really care about is what you think of yourself. And I would say like, I'm much, much older than that now, you know, I'm 42, but I'd say the biggest growth has come from really just shedding those layers of what people think of me. And doing the work that like gets me super excited and is my definition of success. And it's really different to other people. You know, I've had many opportunities. And I'm very grateful to, to sort of pursue very safe and financially financial only paths that just don't serve my soul, you know. And at the same time, I'm also not... Um, shy about the fact that I am a capitalist and I plan to build and create very beautiful, successful, you know, um, platforms and, and be successful in business. And, and there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, but sometimes like, especially in a polarized society, you can get a lot of messages. Um, and so that, you know, just like not really caring what other people think or what I just actually, I had a wonderful session with, um, a young person who I'm uh, helping be mindful of who you take advice from and whether or not you would like to be like them. Mm. Not all advice is equal, mm. you know? So just be really thoughtful about the context in which that advice is being given because there is no one path. It's more a matter of like, does that piece of advice resonate from the viewpoint that it's being given? And sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes we're so quick to not trust ourselves and sort of assume these other, you know, uh, pieces of advice that, you know, may be true, but but maybe not for for you. I love I love that. This show is called The Afterglow, and we use that word in a couple of different ways. So it's our yoga studio. It's the name of this podcast. And it's also what we call your vision for the next 30 or 40 or 50 years. So your afterglow is your vision for the next 30 or 40 or 50 years. So we've kind of been like tiptoeing around it, but we'd love to hear and maybe, you know, even think of your children. Um, and so what is your vision for our world over the next 30, 40, 50 years? And what is your vision for yourself? What a big question. Um, <laughs> you know, I think my, uh, my ultimate vision is very grounded in what um, the Game Changer brand is about, you know, and what Game Changer really is about is creating the future we want and not just the future, but actually the one we want. So being super thoughtful, right, about what we create and how it impacts the world and making it net positive because there's so much beauty in innovation. There's so many beautiful things that come because we aren't willing to accept the status quo and we want to improve things. 
And it's that, that idea of like a net positive impact and world that I'm, I'm just super um, inspired by. Um, the, the second part of the thesis is really around thriving. It's not okay to just survive. You know, I spent many, many years of my life in a survival mindset. And, you know, I think there was this turning point and this afterglow, which is all about striving, you know, and all about like doing the work to truly thrive and creating environments for others to do that. And that doesn't mean that you're not like doing really hard things and doing work, but you're, you're thriving. You're not worried about, there's no fear in the, in the, the equation in the same way. Like it's not about surviving, just having enough, like I've had to go through that and that was very useful in some ways. And then it was very important to shed that. And so my vision is that more people, right. Um, sort of do the work, right. That we live in a conscious community and that more people are focused on thriving and that more people are taking the agency to be creative and to create and believe that they, um, you know, in a world, I mean, ultimately, especially what I'm doing with Mastermind, which is truly my life's work, um, is creating a society that continues to grow, learn, and develop, and that that is, like, accessible for people, that more people have access and exposure to the mental models, experts, ideas that are going to help them thrive and be successful. Um, and I think it's a less polarized world. It's a world where you know, we actually value diversity and we value integrative thinking. Um, and you have to unlearn a lot of what society tells you. Like, I don't watch the news. I'm very, very mindful of what information I consume. And, you know, as for my kids, they are um, really creative kids who have a lot of agency. And, you know, this idea of resilience um, is very important to me too. It's like, you know, teach somebody to, um, you know, instead of catching that fish for them, like teaching them to fish and just giving them that confidence that no matter what happens, right, they will, they will really be okay because they've built those tools and those skills themselves um, is definitely a part of that. Mm, you mentioned Thrive. Um, and I think the first time I had even really considered that or heard about that was when I read the Arianna Huffington book, Thrive. I, I'm I'm interested, and maybe you can share with our listeners because it's it's always um, difficult to find that balance. But what do you do specifically? And you mentioned, you know, staying away from the news and choosing people that you listen to, and you mentioned a little bit of yoga and meditation there. But what are some tools that you use to thrive, right, instead of survive? Yeah, I think. Um... There's a, there's a lot. I mean, I think the mind body connection is super important. Uh, so for me, like, just like what you guys do, having an amazing yoga practice, um, uh, on a daily basis, uh, is a, is a very important part of that. I wouldn't say I do that every day. Um, but that's, um, definitely uh, a big part of, for me, thriving is whatever it is, like, being connected in your mind and body and recognizing where um, tension sits and sort of working through that. So the thriving for me is not avoiding. It's not, it's not denying and it's not avoiding and it's not numbing. It's actually the opposite. It's like facing and um, delving deeper and sort of working through. 
Um, and what that requires is space and what that requires is courage. And it's less about force and it's more about flow. And so there's been many times in my, um, you know, previous sort of way in which I dealt with things to be like super forceful. And for me, it's like, it's important to have agency, but sometimes like I'm, I'm less forceful around things that aren't, uh, it's just not the right moment for those things to happen. So that's like a, just a different way of thinking around uh, force versus flow, connection between mind, body, and, and spirit, uh, a mindfulness or meditation practice, journaling practice, you know, eating well, and just like being very, very aware, right, of, of where you're at, like what kind of energy is like, is at play, um, and sort of, yeah, dealing with that. Amazing. I, um, I'm personally inspired that um, humanity is finding its way, you know, through you anyways, you're bringing your humanity into the work that you do. And um, I think that's important in, in, you know, the corporate world, any world, just for us to bring that the humanity with us. Um, I'm also really just noticing how the inner work you did allowed you to stand in qualities of femininity or consciousness, uh, which will service the world. And so I'm really just drawn to that idea of that process of you know, discomfort that you go through benefits you and it also benefits the world that we live in. I'm so grateful that you were with us today to share your wisdom and your, your big kind heart. Where can we learn more about you? Where can our listeners learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I love what you're doing. I think it's so great. And thank you for letting me share uh, my, my afterglow and my inner sort of world. Um, yeah, you absolutely can go to gamechanger.co. Uh, so, uh, and on there, you can actually listen to our 15 uh, episodes of our first season, hearing from some amazing experts, uh, venture capitalists, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, all about how to create, lead, and thrive in uncertainty. Um, so you can learn a lot there. And then Mastermind is new, so it's very exciting, but you can find more at mastermind.co. Uh, it's still a coming soon, but it is absolutely uh, an exciting platform that we are working on. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Candice. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Afterglow Podcast Official and take a minute to leave us a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Lift a sister up and share the Afterglow with others who are seeking their courageous second act.